May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be always acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Today, I want to talk to you about love. But, as Marjorie mentioned, today is also my first Sunday here at St. George's. So by way of introducing both myself and the topic, I want to tell you a little bit about some of my loves, in no particular order. I love my family. I love where I grew up, the beautiful, vibrant country of Kenya. I'm quickly growing to love Nashville and St. George's, even though I've only been here a very short time so far. I love my husband, the love of my life, Robert. As Marjorie mentioned as well, he's also a priest, so he's serving elsewhere this morning, and I don't get the fun of pointing him out and embarrassing him in front of everyone. And I love my little silent co-preacher here, my daughter, who we're expecting to make her debut in January. But I have to tell you a secret. Those sound like easy loves, don't they? But if I'm honest with you, really honest, I'm not always very good at them. Let me give you an example. My husband and I just moved to Nashville about a week and a half ago. Moving is stressful. And add on top of that new jobs, buying our first house, being six months pregnant, and a pandemic to boot. To say we were a little on edge would be a little bit of an understatement. Now, if I had been perfectly loving toward my husband, I would have kept in mind the entire time that he was just as stressed out and maybe even more stressed than I was. But to be honest, I didn't keep that in mind very well. When just one thing went wrong out of the many things that went right, I got irritable and short-tempered, and my poor Robert, it was to the point that several times he even asked me plaintively, why are you mad at me? It turns out that even though I love him, a lot of times I'm not very good at it. In fact, a lot of times, if I'm really honest, I'm a lot better at loving myself. And that was in a supposedly easy love. Don't ask me how often I have unloving thoughts towards the person who cuts me off in traffic, let alone anything worse than that. As I was sharing my list of loves and my struggles with loving, I wonder how much of that sounded familiar to you. Your list is probably different from mine. We're different people. Not everyone is married, and not everyone has a happy family. But you probably do have a list. Have you, do you ever find it hard to love those people well? Do you ever catch yourself acting in unloving ways toward the people who should be the easiest to love? Do you ever realize that when push comes to shove, you love yourself a lot more and a lot better than you love others? My guess is that you do. My guess is that you have your own stories of not loving as well as you should. Because in the end, loving well, really loving well, is incredibly hard. And loving perfectly, 
impossible for us, even with the easiest people to love. With that in mind, when we come to Jesus' words from our gospel today, they take on a whole new feel. A quick reading would just tell us Jesus is saying love is very important. Isn't that just so nice? Isn't that sweet? The Beatles would approve. All you need is love. The life of faith should be so easy. But dig a little deeper, and all of a sudden, the command to love begins to seem like a heavy burden. What is more, as hard as the ordinary day-to-day loves can be at times, Jesus is commanding us to live out even more difficult loves. In our reading, Jesus says that out of all the 613 commands in the Old Testament law, the most important one is part of what is known as the Shema, drawn largely from Deuteronomy. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. When this command was first recorded in Deuteronomy, It was already a call to extraordinary love. You see, the ancients did not love their gods so much as fear them. It was no different in Jesus' time. The Romans, Greeks, and others understood the gods to be fickle, even malicious, and deeply flawed, not to be trusted and difficult to love. The belief in one God and the command to love him with your whole being was radical, to say the least. By saying that this is the most important commandment, Jesus has already made a statement about what it means to be a believer and about the nature of our faith. The only thing is, how many of us actually manage to love God with all of our heart and all of our soul? and all of our mind. If we are bad at loving the people right in front of us, how much more at loving God, who we can't even see? And if that weren't hard enough, Jesus takes it to the next step and offers the second greatest commandment without even being asked. Love your neighbor. Not do not harm your neighbor, not tolerate your neighbor, but love your neighbor. In fact, love your neighbor as you love yourself. We know from the parable of the Good Samaritan that Jesus defines our neighbors as anyone, anyone at all with no exceptions who comes across our path. Moreover, in yet another passage, Jesus directly commands his disciples to love their enemies We've already said we tend to love ourselves more than even our nearest and dearest. How can we possibly extend a degree of love to strangers and even our enemies that we struggle to give our closest friends and family? If that is the second greatest commandment, we have already failed at the life of faith. These commands point us not just to extraordinary, but to impossible love. We cannot love like that. We are just too sinful, too selfish. We can't do it. But 
God in his mercy, grace, and completely perfect love can love like that. And he does. And he did. Where we can't love God with all that we are, the Bible tells us that Jesus, in obedience to the Father, humbled himself to the point of death, even death on the cross. Where we can't love our, frenemy, our friends well, let alone our frenemies or enemies, the Bible tells us that we were once enemies of God, but that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus perfectly kept and lived out all 613 commandments of the Torah, including completely fulfilling the greatest commandments. Jesus laid down his life for us when we were his enemies. He has fulfilled the commands to love God and neighbor and offers us forgiveness for our failures to do so. Let me tell you one more secret, this time about love. We cannot love until we receive love. First John tells us we love because he first loved us. Jesus commands his listeners to impossible loves, but because he first loved us with that very same impossible love, he opens us up to be able to love impossibly ourselves. Not because we get it right all the time, but because he has fulfilled that command for us and he gives us the love to live it out. Think of it like this. Imagine standing in your kitchen at home, you set a glass on the counter and you start pouring water in it. And the water gets closer and closer to the top of the glass, but you still don't stop, you keep pouring the water. Sooner or later, it will overflow and spread across the countertop. In the same way, in the overflow of Jesus' love for us, pouring into us through the Holy Spirit, that love will spill out of us and spread into our relationships with each person we encounter. As people saved by grace through Jesus' work on the cross, in receiving Jesus' impossible love, and in following him, we are eager to obey his commands. We are filled to the brim and more with his love. And therefore, our lives will be marked by love that aspires to be like his. Not because we have to love in order to be saved, but because we have been saved out of the abundance of his love. You know, for some of you here today, Maybe you're exploring Christianity, or maybe you're new Christians, and these ideas might be new for you. But for a lot of you, I imagine you've heard this before. As you've listened to my sermon so far, I wonder how many of you have thought, okay, love, I know, that's Christianity 101, I sang it in Sunday school, Jesus loves me, I've heard this before. And I'm glad you have. For long-time Christians, this should not be groundbreaking. But there are some things that bear repeating. In fact, there are some things that must be repeated over and over so that we do not forget them. If you're a parent, how often have you had to tell your kids the exact same thing? Look both ways before crossing the street. Or better yet, I love you. Similarly, 
I mentioned earlier that Jesus' answer to this question was drawn from something called the Shema. The Shema was and is the centerpiece of morning and evening prayer in Judaism, meaning devout Jews recite this command to love every morning and every evening. The most important things must be repeated the most often. And this command to extraordinary, impossible love is all the more important to repeat in times when it is difficult to love. You don't need me to tell you that we are in the midst of just such a time. Between the vitriolic election season and everything that has come with the pandemic, our country and our communities are stressed out, divided, and afraid. People are simultaneously running out of emotional energy and encountering the worst sides of other people around them. It is a difficult time to love in ordinary ways, let alone to live out the impossible loves to which we are called. We need that reminder more than ever. So I have a challenge for you today. First, remember that Jesus loves you with an impossible love. And second, let that love pour out of you by living into those impossible loves yourself. Keep your ordinary loves, yes, and treasure them, but also actively pursue the much harder loves to which God calls you. Love God even when you do not understand why he allows pandemics, political turbulence, or personal suffering. Love him by worshiping him, spending time in prayer, asking him the hard questions, and reading the Bible. Love him through the love he has already given you. Love your neighbors as you love yourself. Love not only the neighbors who are easy to love, or the neighbors you know, but anyone God brings across your path. And there are any number of ways to do this, by the way. If you're looking for some, check out our website or feel free to email me. I'd love to send you some ideas. St. George's has some great things going on and some amazing partners. But there is a very specific way I want you to love both God and neighbor today. This afternoon, I want you to spend some time in prayer. And as a part of that, I want you to pray for someone specific but only you know who that person is. I want you to think of the person you struggle the most to love, the person it feels impossible for you to love. And I want you to pray for that person. Pray for their needs and their struggles. Pray for good things for them. Pray for them like you would pray for yourself. And then continue to pray for them like that each day this week. In the grand scheme of things, these acts of love may seem small. A few minutes of prayer on a Sunday afternoon doesn't feel like impossible love. But the more you choose these small acts of loving God and loving neighbor, the more you will cultivate a life characterized by that love, and the more God will form you into the likeness of Jesus, who perfectly lived out impossible love. Before I close, I want to give you one brief example of what this might look like. I once read an article about a woman whose husband had cheated on her and had fathered a child through the affair. Under those circumstances, 
the world's expectation would be that she would cease to love him, to say the least. And I think all of us here would understand if she had chosen to walk away from that marriage, she would certainly have had the biblical justification for doing so. For some people, that would have been the right decision. But in this article, the woman shared that she had been formed by years of daily devotionals with God. And God had worked in her, transforming her through her daily act of love for him. So as incredibly painful as her situation was, she chose to forgive her husband, and she chose to keep loving him. But not only did she choose to love her husband, she chose to love his child from the affair as well. She welcomed this little boy into their family life as he grew up, and this woman loved him. That is extraordinary love. That is a love that seems simply impossible. That is the type of love that witnesses to the world about the wonder, goodness, and glory of our God. And that is the type of witness we can give our divided, antagonistic, and suffering world as we make small choices day after day to love God and our neighbor. Amen.